Welcome to the Danso Pitch Podcast, the podcast for the Danso Financial Group team. I am your host, Charles Danso. What we do at the Danso Financial Group team is we help minority and gender-based businesses grow by providing the right capital as well as financial literacy education to help the next leaders flourish during these times that we're in. I want to thank our Spotify, Apple Podcasts, as well as YouTube viewers for tuning in to the next episode. If you haven't done so already, don't forget to subscribe through these various platforms as mentioned. Thanks for tuning in to the next episode. Welcome to episode 27 of the Danso Pitch Podcast. I am your host, Charles Danso, joined by my good friends, Daniel and Rami. Gentlemen, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing solid, man. It's It's been a little cold. I've been trying to keep warm but the stock market's been equally as cold this week so <laughs> no kidding nothing really nothing really warming <laughs> yeah. me up these days but i'm here i'm ready to roll yeah yeah I'm definitely fall now you know uh but always a pleasure to be on the show with you guys excited for today's episode now nah, you guys sound like you're in good spirits despite the like uh, Rami just said, the stock market not doing too well. Trump uh, said he's not leaving office. You got to take him by force. There's a lot of shit going on right now. So yeah, we, we, we just we just glad to be here. Glad to, um you know, definitely uh, give some valuable information to the audience. I want to give a shout out uh, before we start the episode to our Spotify, Apple podcast, as well as YouTube viewership. Uh, subscribe through the Danso Financial Group channel through our YouTube. And we're on the Danso pitch through our audio systems. Uh, this episode will cover uh, the principles of private equity. Uh, that also details what our business basically deals with. That is Danzo Financial Group, which is private equity investing. We will be giving you guys the principles of that, giving you a breakdown as to what exactly is private equity and how someone that has a business or someone looking to uh, invest into a business could kind of benefit uh, from that uh, type of uh, investing. So let's first start off by actually giving the definition of private equity. Uh, I want to start it off. Um, private equity is actually a source of financing. Um, it is an investment in the equity of a non-listed company. Uh, a non-listed company is a company that is not on the stock exchange like Rami uh, basically just articulated previously. That is a company that is not public. Um, these investors can also take control of a public company and take with the intention of taking them private. Uh, now, I guess... I know the answer, but I want to ask you guys, other Rami and Daniel, why do you think a private equity investor would want to actually take a company from being public to private? Anybody? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, my first instinct is that, you know, if a company is public, you generally have uh, shareholders for if it's publicly traded. So, you know, uh, there there's a large uh, distribution of ownership in the company versus if it's private, then, you know, the, the lion's share is, is, is up for grabs for those who have the capital to invest. That is correct. That is correct. Putting that MBA to use, I see, sir. That's good. <laughs> That's really good. Yeah. So, um, yeah, as Daniel just articulated, a lot of private equity investors will look to actually take a company that may be public and take it private. Um, there are examples of that. Um, the reason being is, like he said, usually in public companies, example in Apple, there is such a large distribution of shares. So if you are an investor in that type of company, um, 
as a private equity owner, you basically would get just a little bit of the shares because you have Tim Cook, who's the CEO, who gets the largest amount of shares. You have the chief operating officer who has shares. And even the employees, some of them um, also own shares. So the distribution is really large and it gets a little bit difficult as a private equity investor to take um, a big percentage of that as is. Um, but we also want to differentiate the difference between private equity and venture capital. I know a lot of the uh, the two get uh, related, and they are related, but for different reasons. The difference between private equity and venture capital, first I want to define, I gave you the definition of private equity, but I want to define venture capital as well, which is also a source of private equity, but except the, the difference is the funding is given to startups and other young businesses, much like a private equity, but they're in it for long-term growth. So a lot of venture capital um, individuals that, that are basically in that market, they'll look to invest in a company maybe for maybe 10 to even sometimes 20, 30 years, depending on how big the company potentially will grow. And usually when the company gets bigger, uh, they look to basically stay with that company and try to keep that company private as we kind of uh, articulated. So when funding goes into these companies, they usually come in the form of uh, from wealthy investors, uh, such as uh, wealthy individuals, like example, uh, a lot of times you guys hear about a lot of these entertainers, like Michael Jordan buys a share of this company, uh, this uh, computer company or something like that, or Jay-Z takes ownership in this person or Oprah buys this thing. Those are usually the angel investors. That's what we refer to as angel investors. Um, investment banks, a lot of times. I know you guys probably, uh, Daniel Rahm, you guys probably read like a lot of CNBC reports when you basically hear like JP Morgan is the underwriter for this company or Goldman Sachs is the underwriter for this company. Usually that means that outside of just the public companies, a lot of these banks look to take these public uh, companies public that are private. The reason being is if they are usually the underwriters, especially like a company like Tesla, when they hit big, that, those banks get paid. So that's why they will look uh, and from that aspect to basically want to take them, um, you know, basically public, as I mentioned. And also um, the aspect of venture cap. Yeah. What would you say? Sorry. Oh, no, no. I, I just wanted to add on that, um, mm -hmm. you know, uh, venture cap is like under the umbrella of private equity, but private equity uh, can span. It, it, it usually breaks down into two categories. There's, there's the venture capital uh, which we're talking about. And there's also leveraged buyouts, which are more of the, the company acquiring a company by using a combination of cash and debt. But that is, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's something that's not uh, correlated really with venture cap. It's kind of like the opposite uh, in some ways. And then there are higher levels of venture cap uh, called growth capital funds, which, you know, venture capital, they target a specific, uh, a specific range of companies that have, um, a certain amount of working capital, certain amount of, uh, potential, mm -hmm. but with uh, growth capital, those funds usually go for mature companies where they're, uh, they have a, a long streak of, um, successful, uh, working capital that can be used uh, in tandem with um, the the professional expertise that um, VC funds normally provide. So I just wanted to add that in there. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, go ahead, Rami. 
when you're thinking of venture capitalists, if you're a listener out there, you could think of the popular show Shark Tank. Um, that's probably something a lot of you have seen or heard of. And it's literally that it's um, those sharks are providing venture capital for for these businesses that are startups or young ideas and looking to get either funding or sometimes they offer funding and a, a role managerially um, to provide that expertise, um, you know, technical or managerial expertise. So that can also be on the table when you're trying to secure private equity is not just finances, but also, you know, more experience from people that have tried and tested these things before. Exactly. And I want to stay on what you just said, Rami, because that's what I want to go into as well for the audience. So in venture capital is a venture capital is not it's not only your financer, but also your advisor. The reason being is, as Rami articulated, usually a lot of times, like he said, like a um, like a shark tank, which I know I'm sure for the audience listening, you gentlemen as well, that's probably the most easiest one to go to in terms of actually seeing how venture capitalists basically distribute wealth through companies so in that distribution venture capitalists usually ask for ownership in your company in fact of taking that ownership what they do with that is they usually can come on on a hands-on or a hands-off approach those are two different scenarios in the hands-on approach they give you the money let's say that you're they ask for they give you a million or like let's say like mr wonderful on uh, shark tank he'll say i'll give you a million and I want 10% ownership. Now, let's say you agree to that, and he says he wants to do a hands-on approach. So what he basically does is any type of decision-making that you're making within the business, any type of scaling you want to do within the business, he does it with you every step of the way. So any type of thing, any let's say like the company wants to come out with a new product, he's there. He's advising, he's giving his expertise and saying, hey, this is how I think you can brand it. This is my team. I have these uh, brand marketers that can kind of push this product for you, and I'm going to do that for you. Now, in a hands-off approach, let's say Lori, uh, that's on Shark Tank as well, is like, I'll give you, let's say, 100000 for 5% stake, and I'm going to do a hands-off approach. She just gives you the funding. So basically, she doesn't do anything with that. She just says, here's the money, and this is how much you have to pay me every year annually. Hey, your business is fucking up. Fuck you. Pay me. <laughs> your business is successful. Great. Pay me. So in that approach, it doesn't. they just give you the financing. They don't do anything for you. You handle everything by yourself. You use that money how you want, but you still have to pay them on an annual basis. Some people may do it on a semi-annual basis. Uh, that is a two-year period, depending on the type of business, depending on the type of deal that you're looking to basically get out of it. Gentlemen, your thoughts? I mean, there's there's a big advantage to having... There's a big advantage to having that expertise, as I mentioned. Um, a lot of the times, it's a lot of the times it's one or the other. You know, one um, some individuals or a group of individuals have the great product and the great business model, but not the experience. And sometimes you you have the experience and and no new product, nothing that's really coming off the shelves. So this is a good way to really fill that need in within your company, within your board, is to have that experience. And a lot of the time, that experience doesn't come for free. They're gonna wanna, you know, they they want private equity in your business because there is no cap on that. You know, if 
if on one of these shows they give you 10% for a million, sorry, they give you a million for 10%, um, they're expecting to get more than that million they gave you. You know, they wouldn't be doing it otherwise. There's no benefit to them. So it becomes a mutually beneficial relationship where they have to see you do well so they can get their money and more. And you benefit from, obviously, that expertise and that added help. So I, I see this being as a win-win. And you, But you usually have to weigh the cost-benefit of, do I want to give up this percentage of my business? Do I want somebody to have a say in all my decisions? So there is a trade-off there. You do lose some autonomy, but you do gain expertise. You just have to go, you, you always have to trust who you're going into business with as well. So mm-hmm. I would say do your research on on who you're agreeing to these deals with before you find out the hard way how they deal. Absolutely. Also, I, I want to expound on that, um, Rami, as what you said. And Daniel, I want to bring you in on this. So as Rami articulated, is actually knowing the type of investor that is coming into your business, providing capital for your business, pro- provi- providing advice for your business. How can you trust that individual? So for the audience, Um, I guess what my question for you, Daniel, is what are a few examples or a few reasons as to why, what is a benefit for actually having a private equity investor? Um, Do you think that it can maybe boost your reputation, maybe boost your network by having a private equity investor like a Mr. Wonderful, like a Mark Cuban, like an Oprah Winfrey can go down the line of these investors? Even some people, it doesn't have to be an example like a credible individual in terms of celebrities, we can even look down the line or maybe Danzo Financial Group. What are the benefits of having an investor like that on your team, on your board, so to speak? What do you think, Daniel? Absolutely. You know, uh, you know, brand promotes brand. So, you know, you having uh, a specific VC or a specific angel investor or whatever the case might be that invests in your uh, company, not only from the tangible financial benefit, but also from, you know, the intangible benefits of uh, knowledge transfer, because you're dealing with, you know, essentially the, you know, titans of industry, those who know the game, they've been in it longer than you have. If you're just a startup, you know, they they know how to maneuver around. They know about how to do supply chain. They know about, you know, uh, the, the, the types of ERPs that your business may need and, and, and all the different, uh, suppliers and, and how to, to target a specific audience. They have marketing strategists, you know, you can go down the line. Everything is the expertise is there, you Mm -hmm. know, and also you have the networking opportunity, you know, because especially if it's a hands-on VC, you're going to have access to a, a supply of network that you otherwise probably wouldn't if you didn't, you know, access the opportunity. So I think, you know, there, there is a lot of benefit in, you know, both tangible and intangible to boost the company's, uh, you know, long term financial gain and their reputation. Because, you know, taking this deal, your company is going to, uh, especially if they overachieve, uh, it's going to put them into the spotlight, you know. So those are my thoughts on that. What about you, Rami? What do you think? Uh, I don't know. I don't have much of a say on this matter right here. Okay. That's fair. 
let's so what also what one thing i do want to also highlight for the audience as well is um the the different phases of investing because that's this this will probably be the most crucial information for those listening on the podcast wanting to learn more about private equity investors is the different phases of investing that a private equity investor will go into gentlemen just give me a couple minutes to go through it for them and then we'll have a discussion to center around it to further elaborate on it so the first phase this is for private equity is the company uses a private equity investor example um abc company now what they use in that is trying to get an investor through the initial phase that's the development phase now this can be friends or family this could be a founder of the company actually using his or her own money to actually fund the business business angels and vcs the second aspect is the starter phase now your company's starting to get a little bit of traction it's starting to slowly build so what you want to use is fixed access assets excuse me and working capital fixed assets are long-term assets that a company has purchased and is using to produce its goods and services. Now, this could mean basically assets that are maybe for a useful life or for a certain number of a year. Now, this can be your property. Where are you housing your business? Are you using uh, some type of uh, building, some type of uh, address, some type of uh, just place where you actually have your business? What are you using as your plant and equipment? Are you using any type of laptop? Are you using any type of technolo technological tools? This is what you basically utilize uh, your friends, family. We're still on the VCs and private equity investors to get money for. Now you're in your early growth stage in phase three. This is your, your sales growth. So basically you're starting to make a little bit of cash. You're starting to make more money. So now you want to base, now you have what we call um, credit. Because of the fact your credit is building, you're building equity in your business. So this, for ladies and gentlemen, that's how you build credit from a business. You have to have equity. What that means is you have to have some type of money coming in through your business and your business is slowly growing. That is their early growth phase. Now you can go to your general VC, which is the big boy VC and a bank to basically get a loan from. Now you don't need your friends and family. You say, thank you, mom and dad, brothers and sisters. Thank you for helping me. This is where Jeff Bezos is like, all right, I'm getting money now on Amazon. So guys, I'm going to go to a bank now to get a loan. And maybe for whatever, how long I'm taking this loan out, this is how much I'm going to return back. Then we go to the expansion phase. The expansion phase is now where you're basically, like I said, you have your line of credit, you have your business credit, and now you have your private equity inside uh, the, the business that's now looking to take your company to the mature phase, which is now the acquisition and business transformation. So now your company is doing well. Amazon has taken off. Danzo Financial Group has done well. Now Danzo Financial Group wants to go public. Now this is where you have to have your IPOs. This is where you have your big boy investment banks. Like I mentioned, Goldman, JP, Morgan Stanley, the list goes on and on in the mature phase. Now, we go into the decline phase. Now your company has gone public and now you're saying whatever money that we made as investors, if your family was in it, like example, you guys, uh, Daniel Rahm, you guys read about when Jeff Bezos family basically became millionaires overnight once Amazon went public. I'm sure you guys have heard that story when he asked his parents for a loan and his siblings. So this is what that decline stage is. This is the exit phase. So now 
as you've been an investor in the business, this is the money, the return that you get for taking the business public or helping taking the, the business public. Now, a private equity means to finance the company. For the audience listening, any private equity business finances a company and asks for a return a la ownership, a la some type of equity return in that business. Gentlemen, your thoughts. I know I covered a lot. You just gave the roadmap. You just gave the step-by-step process of how to secure equity for your business, how to proceed from there, and how to exit, which that's really the key is to make sure you pay. You have to pay that capital back. You know, no loans ever are are free in this world. So make sure you, you get through all the stages to get to the decline stage, which is the sixth step, as you mentioned, to get yourself out of that um, debt obligation, which is looming over your business. But um, and I think the key you mentioned there was to get big enough to get a to get a secure a secure line of credit from a bank Mm -hmm. um, for your business, as opposed to just whatever you received from these angel investors early on, because then you're too you're too exposed, you know, you're you owe them too much. If you if you go in with just um, private equity secured from private investors, so getting to that bank stage will really be a turning point for you. Yep, I agree. Um, there's a lot of gems dropped. Um, what Charles said about uh, the different stages, um, and I think that you know, to Rami's point, it's uh, beneficial to understand where your business is in these stages so that you can make the appropriate decision. Uh, you know, forward thinking. Um, but Charles, I think, you know, for the audience, you know, I'll mm-hmm. ask this question, you know, cause you could look at, you know, there's, there's a lot of different, you know, VC companies out there just to name some off the top of my head, the Blackstone group is one, mm-hmm. um, you know, they have a lot of Blackstone launchpad, uh, initiatives around campus and all mm-hmm. of that. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a business owner, you know, how do I, how do I get private equity? Like where, where do I go? How do I start? You know, yeah, I mean, there's there's various ways to basically obtain the private equity investor. A lot of times um, the most important one is having a business plan. That's the one thing that a private equity investor will always ask for is having the right business plan, because as private equity investors, you have to see what is the vision behind the company. The mo- another thing that you want to look at is how is the management? Is there a, a cohesiveness in how they think? Is does it seem like one person differentiates how they think from the other? Because that becomes a problem once the company actually starts to build. So then you ask yourself as a private equity investor, if I'm giving this person individual money, how don't I know in a year or two they make some money and this guy goes like, well, I'm going to branch out. I don't really need this business because a lot of times you want to keep the management intact because each person is responsible for something. And especially if you're doing a hands off approach, like I said, as a private equity investor, a lot of times. If you're doing a hands-off approach, you want to make sure that whoever's managing your money, they're doing it the right way. And you're not just bringing anybody in, just doing anything that they need to do. But um, now we have social media. Um, Ourselves, our actual business, Danzo Financial Group, is one that does private equity investing uh, right now. 
Uh, we definitely are, are definitely looking for a lot of individuals that are looking to just expand their business, not even through a capital phase, but just in terms of a small business development phase. So that's definitely something I'll look at. You always could look at social media, pay attention to social media. That's the one thing. Uh, private equity investors are on there. I know the popular one is Harlem Capital now. That's like the new hot kid on the block. Um, I definitely, uh, right. We, we don't hear, we're not here to bash. We're here to just, you know, give up, you know, the props as due. Uh, I think they have a good business model as I've been following them. Um, just, you know, kind of respecting how they do it. And we're trying to also do our thing over here at Denzel Financial Group. But again, like I said, it's having the right management, having a business plan. And another thing that we want to ask for is ownership, because any type of person that's asking to invest in your business is always going to ask for some type of ownership. So that's very key for a business owner is how much are you willing to give up in your business and give up doesn't necessarily mean like we're just taking it and running. That just means that we want to come on and, you know, give a perspective because of the fact that, yes, it's like example, if I'm loaning you money, Daniel Rami, I expect to get it back at some point, right? So, sure. <laughs> and a lot of times I'm getting it back with interest. So a lot of times that's basically how you have to think of private equity investing. It's like, I'm giving you money, but in return, I'm asking to manage that money, basically that investment, so to speak. Um, you can think of it even in music. Um, I think a lot of mu uh, music labels are private equity investors because a lot of times when you're giving you an advance in cash, um, they're asking for your masters, which is basically what uh, your blueprint to basically a lot of the music distribution that you're basically having uh, given out. So you can also private equity comes in many various forms. But in this scenario, we'll look at it as from a, fin a financial um, investment aspect. Um, yeah. So to answer your question, that's those are the, the key points, I, I guess I would mention. Yeah, in there. Beautiful, beautiful. Yes, that that's a, a, a nice bird's eye view of, you know, how a business owner can, you know, get started and what they need to know before entering into this arena. Uh, so thank you for that. You're welcome. Um, yeah, so basically, as as uh, we articulated, I also want to mention in venture capital, the stages of that. And then um, I'll introduce you gentlemen to uh, something that I'm going, we're going to start doing called prime time, uh, more to be discussed in the next couple minutes. So, Ooh, prime yes, time. It, okay. prime time. So, in venture capital stages, uh, as for the audience listening in, um, this has three key phases, which is the seed financing phase, the startup phase, and the early growth financing phase. So, for venture capitalists. The financing phase usually is through R&D, which is research and development. I know you guys probably hear Apple does a lot of R&D. What that basically means is a lot of trial and error. So in, in any type of business, you have an R&D phase, which is you get financing to basically upgrade your products, see what products work, what products don't, and then you market a lot of those products. So basically, that's what R&D basically does. And that helps generate a patent for the product that you have. Now, a patent, as... Rami, Daniel, we articulated is intellectual property. So basically you put a patent. So basically nobody takes your idea. Nobody takes the product that you're basically uh, bringing out. So if Apple's coming out with uh, iPhone 12, they have a patent already in place. So nobody can come and say, hey, I, we came out with the iPhone 12. No, you didn't. Apple did stupid. So that's why we got to have that funding as necessary to basically get a lot of these trademarks um, and a lot of these patents as necessary. So 
in seed financing, this is very key, gentlemen, and for the audience, you must know the 100, 10, and 1 rule. Again, in seed financing, if you're getting funding in a business, you must know the 100, 10, and 1 rule, which basically means every private equity investor will screen at least 100 companies. Out of the 100 companies, there's you will finance at least 10 companies. So as you guys kind of, um, well, for the gentleman, for the audience listening, I said this to uh, Daniel Arami before, was out of the 100 people that fuck with us on Danzo Financial, probably only 10, of, 10 people will actually buy a product if we actually promote it out there. So think of it something like that. So out of the 100 companies that are screened, for an example, a private equity investor will actually look at 10. Same thing with Shark Tank. In Shark Tank, they only show you guys probably like what, like three to four people on an episode, right? Or like two to three people. That's probably because they probably get a hundred applications and they probably pick like the 10 best that they like. That's what basically it means. And out of the 10 that they decide to give money to, only one is going to be successful. So that's very important to understand. So example, if we're financing 10 companies, guys, the likelihood of all 10 being successful is very slim. It's only 1%. Only one of them will probably be the next Amazon, the next Apple, or the next whatever company is basically out there. So again, the 110 and one rule, every investor does this, that invests in any type of company, has done the 110 and one rule. Look it up if you don't believe me. And basically, we go through our startup financing and early growth financing. I'm not going to go through each definition. I just want you guys that's listening to basically get an idea as to how financing a business is basically done. Now, you have individuals like myself, Rami, and Daniel to help manage this business, for an example. So it's very important that if you are receiving funding, guys, what Rami said, make sure you do your research on who the funding people are. That's very important because they also want to know that you know about them. Like people go on Shark Tank and do their research on what each person is known for. A lot of times, Damon John, who's the FUBU guy, is not going to take deals that he's not, he doesn't know anything really about. So that's also important. A lot of different funding companies, private equity companies, have specific uh, sectors that they're responsible for. Example, some funding companies will specifically target software companies. Some will uh, target, uh, let's say, restaurants or fashion uh, companies. Some will look at specifically hair care companies. So you also have to understand, do your research if you are a small business owner looking for an investor, because not everybody just gives out free money. Trust me. <laughs> you have to, they, a lot of them are very, very concentrated in the type of business that they're in, they're looking to invest into. Uh, what do you guys think about what I basically just uh, broke down, so to speak? Yeah, I think that's very important to, you know, narrow down your, your search because what you don't want to do is, you know, start up applying to a list of VC funds that, yes, they might have great reputation, but they're servicing businesses that don't fit with your industry. So you definitely want to pick something that's aligned with the industry you're in and also, you know, understand what the VC's finances are as well, because these are things that the the board are they're going to ask you or they're going to expect that you know what their assets under management is or what their working capital is you know they're going to want to know 
that you are aware of how their financials are and how your business model and how your, you know, expected, um, you know, uh, funds that they're going to provide fits within their finances as well, because they're going to look at their balance sheet, too. They have to do their annual reporting as well. So they're looking at the financials and you should be aware of exactly how much you're asking for or what the 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 range of price is going to be for your business and how that's going to, you know, affect their portfolio as well as, you know, your own business and your operations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, do your research, know who you're going into business with. This isn't a small decision by any means. This is probably one of the most important decisions you can ever make for your business is who you go into partnership with, who you're going to accept money from, and and just how the, the management and leadership of your company is going to look like. So please be mindful. And um, as Charles mentioned, if you're on the other side of that, remember that it is a numbers game for them. You know, they're, they're not just seeing one or two companies and making a decision from there. Somebody is probably seeing hundreds of companies before yours. So you really need to stand out as well. Um, come correct with your financial statements or like your financial history. Because if you ever watch Shark Tank, one of the things they do is ask how much revenue are you making? You know, what are your expenses? What are your biggest threats? So all those things are found on your business plan. So if you don't have a nice tight, um, organized business plan that shows exactly where you've been and where you want to go, you're not, you're going to have a slim chance of securing any private equity from any of these, um, firms or individuals. So nobody's going to know your business better than you. So you have to come prepared. Like it's a job interview basically and, and come correct, ready to talk about your business, but you also need to interview them right back and ask them the right questions to see if, the partnership will be a fruitful one. Because as Daniel said, you could have a firm that specializes in all kinds of beauty supplies and you're a, you're a, in a totally different industry. There's no point even going there because what's to say they're going to be able to manage you properly. So take a take an individualistic approach and come correct. Those are my two advice for, Ex- for securing private equity. Exactly. Um, And just to add on to what they're saying, for those that may not know how to actually build out a business plan, because I've seen some business plans and damn, them shits, some of them are terrible. I'll be honest with you. But you learn, you learn through repetition, you learn through uh, uh, building. One thing I would say in a business plan that you definitely essentially need is you need to detail your management. You need to detail how your company makes money and you need to detail how you're branding your company. Those are the three key factors. A business plan should at least be at least 10 pages. If you have anything less, then you don't know what the hell you're doing in your business. That's just an honest fact. Um, I'm not here to sugarcoat. I'm just here to tell you what it is. Now, if you don't know how to build your business plan, you can come to individuals. um, Through Danzo Financial Group, we build business plans. Other individuals build business plans. You can look up online. Some people, it's their job to build business plans. So just like a lot of people pay people to write books for them, you just have to have the idea and somebody can articulate it for you in a proper manner if you don't know how to do it. Because before you even step to any private equity investor, you have to make sure that you can discuss A to Z without faltering in any aspect. So you ever notice on Shark Tank when they start to get nervous, people don't know their numbers, people don't know their growth potential. They The investors quickly get annoyed and they're like, what are you doing here? Because the fact is, again, 
like I said, you're looking at hundreds of deals a day and they're going to they're going to go with the person that knows what exactly you're talking about and they know how to counter because another thing is private equity investing is a negotiation because you have because the private equity investor is trying to look at the best deal. And if you're a small business owner, you have to have the best deal for yourself. You can put in place where you're not getting raped, so to speak. You're not getting basically everything taken out and you're able to get something in return for your business as well. That's something I would definitely want to give uh, to the audience that's listening in as well. Now, as we highlighted, um, primetime. Primetime will be a segment from today's episode going forward where towards the end of the podcast, we will basically highlight any type of entrepreneur that is basically a focus of other the topic that we're discussing on the episode or the type of business that we're basically teaching how to specialize in it. So primetime today, our primetime candidate is Robert F. Smith, who is the founder, chairman, and CEO of Vista Equity Partners. And for the audience who may not know who that name is, he's basically the black guy that was giving money to, I think, was it Morehouse or something like uh, this past uh, thing that was giving money yeah. that was paying people tuition. So, yeah, that's who he is. Or he's, as people will say, the richest black man in the country right yeah, now. Yeah, we had a spotlight on him or we spoke about him on one of our podcasts, right? No, we didn't highlight him that much. We spoke like briefly about him. But I wanted to highlight in general because people were asking, they're like, who is that? Who, who? Like who's Robert F. Smith? I'm like Jesus. People, people don't stay on the rock. Like, <laughs> like you guys don't know this guy. That so man is the goat. Exactly, the goat investor. He is basically the blueprint um, for private equity investing. But to kind of just highlight again, like I said, he's the chairman and CEO and founder of Vista Equity Partners, and they invest in software companies. They were founded in 2000. Um, he studied. Uh, Robert F. Smith studied chemical engineering in Cornell, and he got his MBA at Columbia University. He's, he worked in Goldman Sachs for a number of years in M&A, which is mergers and acquisitions, before starting his own um, basically private equity firm. He worked in Goldman Sachs by helping deals through Apple, through Intel, etc. So basically, we wanted to highlight that to say that for the private equity investors there, if you work in a certain company you're looking to build, it's always not a bad thing to work in a nine to five setting where they actually teach you a lot of these skill sets. So when you actually start the business or concentration that you're in, you know what the hell you're doing. So for him, he worked in Goldman Sachs for a number of years. So he had the capital clearly because Goldman Sachs, everybody know getting money over there clearly. Also, he did a lot of deal making. So when he actually started his um, investment firm, he was able to already understand how the, the language is spoken, so to speak, right, gentlemen? How deals are basically being done, how to basically present deals, how to do underwriting contracts. Underwriting contracts is when you basically write a contract out, you write how much years you're willing to invest in this company and what is the return that you're asking from the owner. So all these are basically what Robert F. Smith, again, basically has started his business on the ground, the layout of actually private equity investing, because that's something he learned while I was working at Goldman Sachs for a number of years. So um, for me to wrap it up, um, and I'll let the gentlemen also add in their final thoughts. The reason we wanted to highlight this episode again is because this is what Danzo Financial Group is. We are a private equity investment firm. This is what we deal with. So when we post on Instagram, 
we giving you a little bit, but we're actually discussing what we actually do behind the scenes, what we're building out, which is we're looking to build and, and grow companies, invest into various companies and build their, their uh, portfolio, so to speak, for the benefit. But this is what the intricacies of what private equity investing is for the audience that's listening in. So to sum it up, it's basically a lot of give me money and a lot of I pray to God I get a return back on it. <laughs> Gentlemen, your thoughts. Daniel, you want to go? Yeah, Charles pretty much said it all. You know, the the, the key takeaways um, is research, you know, know your company. Um, we talked a lot about uh, there's a theme of confidence here that, you know, you need to be confident in what your business is and the numbers you're expected to pull five to 10 year planning. Uh, and, you know, just know your industry, you know, going back to, you know, our, our GOAT investor there, our GOAT VC, uh, Robert he knew the industry. He worked in the industry for a number of years before he started his own VC company. So, you know, in your own line of business, whatever it is, you have to be the expert. You know, as we said earlier, no one knows your business better than you. So make sure that, you know, the business is essentially another essence of you. You have to know every intricacy of your business. That was a good good way to say it, Daniel. Yep, it's a, refle a reflection of you, representation of your work ethic, and and um, how organized you may be. So again, I would I would just say when when looking for private equity, you really gotta come prepared. If there's anything you don't know, you better be able to either have somebody that does know or or cover that up because these people are looking for somebody that knows the ins and outs of their business if you don't know and you're the leader and the face and the head of your business then what are they what, what are they possibly going to see in you so you know have a tight business plan know your intricacies know the numbers and consider all that when walking in because this could be one of the bigger decisions you make with your business it could save i've seen private equity um deals save businesses i've seen them wreck businesses so it's really a matter of preparation and 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 confidence. And like I said, do the research needed. There's plenty of outlets out there that are willing to fund your your dreams and your product. So don't take the light approach. You can contact Danso Financial if you ever need um, any direction in that. And yeah, I'm complete with that. Yeah. So just again to just add a little bit the last bit that i want to add in again is investors need companies to invest in business owners you need outside funding i know that it may seem like you can fund everything yourself but every business should want to innovate every business should want to expand so you will need some type of capital coming out of the, the, the woodwork outside of what you're basically generating. Because a lot of times you're going to be spending that, your money that you're making from your business to cover overhead costs, which is basically what you're expending for basically keeping the business afloat. So again, this is where private equity investing comes into play. So again, research. But don't be afraid to reach out to individuals. Just ask them. Be like, hey, what 
you're a private equity investor, what is usually your layout? A lot of times they'll give you that information because at the end of the day, they're looking to basically pull you in so they can have an investment in your business, potential investment in your business, so to speak. So it's important to understand, do your homework, have your business plan in place, have the team. Don't do it by yourself. I'm telling you, private equity investors do not like solo individuals. Yeah. They want to see that you have structure. This is where a management team comes into play. Now, I'm not saying go get 100 people on a team, but you just need at least at least a good couple people that have a strong base. They understand exactly what the business is, and they can ex speak and expound on how they want to expand the business. So, again, this is what we wanted to cover uh, episode 27, Principles of Private Equity. You know any friends, family looking to get an investment in a business, reach out to us at Danzo Financial Group. Reach out to any of the individuals that we kind of articulated. Uh, again, so we will be on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, any type of audio platform, as well as YouTube at the Danzo Financial Group. We will have this in the description of the episode. Thank you for those tuning in. Yep. Enjoy the work week. Uh, this episode, when you hear it, I'm sure it'll be out uh, during the work week. So definitely check it out. Take some notes. Ask us any questions for the audience that's listening. A lot of you have our personal information through Instagram, whatever. Reach out. We got you. Thank you. Take care. Thank you.